Welcome to Various Things. I'm Gary Lama. Today we talk with Kirsten Gray. For almost three decades, Kirsten has been helping artists to share their work with the world with her gallery, the Eric Schindler Gallery, located here in the Churchill neighborhood of Richmond, Virginia. I was excited to talk with Kirsten and find out about how a gallery works, what she looks for in both art and artists, and also her thoughts on what artists should do when approaching a gallery to represent them. I learned a lot in talking with her and appreciated her genuine love for both art and the service she performs in running a gallery. And I think you will too. So now, my conversation with Kirsten Gray. Enjoy. I mean, there's really no money in the arts, okay? Let me just put that out there. Um, Most galleries are usually operated by rather wealthy people. I come literally from artist family and grandparents who are working class, you know, working at the VA and, you know, my grandfather on the other side, you know, working a sign company. We were, you know, we are a working class family, which is odd, um, really, and almost ridiculous to be in the art. <laughs> but, yeah. but what I, I mean, for me, I was like, okay, if you're going to be broke in the art, you might as well carry what you like, what you think mm-hmm. is important, what the public needs to see. Otherwise, you know, if you're just going to carry smack, that, you know, lacks integrity or it's just kind of trendy or just kind of, uh, how would I say, you know, I don't know, you know, like bad art like Thomas Kincaid, you know, throwing something (laughs) out like that. For me, my take was instead of showing or selling that to make money, I would rather just at that point sell something people need, like toilet paper. Mm. I was like, you know, because... You need toilet paper, but I don't think you need a Thomas Kincaid. <laughs> I know I'm going to be I'm, I'm going to be ridiculous, here. but my logic was that it was you know because all this reading I did outside of college was a lot of at, you know at this time when I was gathering up a stable of artists was a lot about meaning in life, making meaning in life. I was reading a lot of existentialism too, and reading the lives of artists and how hard it was for them, how important their work is or, you know, but at the time that they were living, just not given the attention. Then they're dead and it gets millions and billions. And that just horrified me, you know, how what they needed was just someone to look and be able to see, understand, experience it, you know. Um, So for me... It's meaningful, like I would, you know, to this very day, I tell people, of course, it's fine to decorate with art. I don't have a problem if you buy a painting and you put it in a certain placement and take a picture and show me and you're happy. I'm happy, too, for you. But really, to me, art is like books. You can decorate with a stack of books, you know, how they do on a coffee table or something. Yeah. And then put a vase on it. Um, But ultimately, you know... There's more to books and art, and art the same than, you know, just collecting dust on the wall or on the shelf. They have meaning. Art is able, like poetry, like literature, you know, it's not a slogan. It's not propaganda. It's, it's going beyond, well, it's like, okay, for instance, like this. You know, I've taken care of several people and watched them take care of 
take their last breath, right? Or, um, you know, even in this whole kind of weird world we're in right now, where I find I can go, you know, because you've got all this noise everywhere, you know, saying how you should think, or if you think this way, you're this or that. Art is a place to go that is beyond this, this noise. It's just bringing you to a different realm of thinking. Like, like, it's, like it's transcendent? Well, it's, there's a lot out there we can't name as hard right. as we try. Mm-hmm. Okay? And sometimes when things get really nuts and crazy, what can bring you to a place of being um, centered in a way or seeing that someone else understands what you're going through. It could have been done, something done a century ago or two centuries ago, you know. But it has the ability to, okay, A, make me okay with the world. I would not want to be part of civilization with arts and culture. I just wouldn't. I'd just say, screw this. Put me in the country, you know. Um, <laughs> it's too, it's, so anyway, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to go back to is like what motivated me to go into, you know, I worked in a coffee shop for several years, washing dishes while gathering a stable of artists and working on something that was really not going to bring me any riches. And not right. that, you know, no one in our family was even taught how to get rich. Um <laughs> That was never even a goal or happiness. Happiness wasn't a goal. Riches wasn't a goal. But mainly the main job, I mean, to me, I'm kind of old-timey, or maybe this isn't old-timey, is you use your eye to choose work, okay, and bring it to the public and, and hope that they can see. Instead, we have a lot of what the public deems popular, you know, right. and then galleries are scrambling to grab up that artist. Oh, look how many people like that, you know. So we're, I don't feel like we're supposed to be following the crowd. Does that make sense? Totally. So you're, yeah, like that's the, that's kind of the paradigm shift that has happened with a lot of things in the last, 20 years, especially with things like social media and stuff now. So you view it in this thing of like, you discover, you discover this artist, you stand behind them and then you give them a place to meet the public rather than going out to the public and being like, what do you want? What do you guys (laughs) want? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and then now, mind you, it sometimes it so happens an artist that comes to me, shows me work, happens to be popular. So it's not like, you know, I'm only going for the unknown. You know, again, I go by my own eye and what I feel. And, and sometimes it might be something that is not my particular, like, aesthetic, but I see some importance of what's being done in it. The social media, to some extent has kind of messed things up. I mean, it's good at one point that I see good artists, uh, great artists, you know, putting their stuff out there and people can see it. Right. Mm -hmm. But 
one of the downsides I saw pretty early on is, you know, artists would come to me and now instead of like in the way past, it used to be them talk about their resume. I was like, look, I, I, I don't want to see a resume. I just want to see the work. So that's how I've gotten a stable of artists who have, they might not have any schooling. They might have some. They might be self-educated. They might be self-taught. They might be master's degree, you know, because it was always like, just show me the work. And then after I see the work, I'll see all that surrounding material. So now then in recent years with social media, they'll be like, this painting got 1,000 likes. Maybe some people think I'm mean. Uh, I'll just say I don't care about likes. I don't. And again, I've picked out artists who have thousands of likes. You know, I've mm -hmm. picked out artists who, you know, refuse to even post one image on social media <laughs> and everything right. in between. Um, I was going to ask you what you look for in an artist. So it really is, it doesn't catch your eye. Do you feel there's something specific going on there that that you want to help bring to the world like that's that's pretty much how you're choosing things to go in the gallery well it's it's, it's some and some of the artists and you know if you talk to some of them that i work with um i didn't pick them up instantly i would see something in it but it wasn't quite ready to be like it might be ready for someone else to show the artists that stuck with me, I was like, they'll bring back around more paintings, have me for another studio visit. And that is amazing because they could easily just say, screw you, I'm not going to wait around for this. I'm going to go over here. Which, you know, I've had an artist once. He's like, hey, this gallery wants to show me um, in this space. I'll give you first dibs. I was like, no, that's okay. You go ahead and show in this space. I mean, I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not going to be pressured. It's just this thing that I don't know how to explain it, but I'm like a record you, label. You, and I, I've noticed some people will like and you'll see an artist's potential, like you'll see an artist's talent, but they haven't mm -hmm. really developed their own voice yet. Like they yeah. haven't really hit their language. Like they haven't made their own language yet. Is that what you're talking about, kind of? Well, it could be that because sometimes I'll, I'll I'll show artists. Um, um, well, let me say this. They will have a voice there, but it still might be work that will need to evolve. Um, but put, put it this way. I mean, if an artist comes to me and there's just no voice present, I'm, that's not someone I'm going to necessarily be uh, checking in on. I mean, to right. be honest with you, you really shouldn't be hitting up a record label or a gallery if you haven't even discovered your own voice. I mean, that sounds yeah. really mean. <laughs> but it's like, you know, that's like me applying to, to MCV to be a doctor and I haven't even gone and gotten my um, MD or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, do you see what I'm saying? Let's treat it with a little professionalism. <laughs> well, you know, I think that's the interesting thing about art is it's so free that some people don't really understand where the where work occurs in it. You know, like some people view it as, oh, you know, like... um like they'll just have these like fanciful ideas of like, well, I'm just going to make this record and then everyone's going to love it. And then I'm just going to be rich. And they don't understand like, and, and it's kind of the same thing with, uh, you know, visual artists. Um, there's a lot of work. Like you have to sit there and, you know, kind of develop your own, um, 
your own voice. And that really just comes from practicing and practicing and hating what you're doing and do it, trying to do it better. And then eventually, you know, you kind of come into like what you do. Um, but then also all this other work, this discipline, I think so. a lot of people have a hard time understanding the amount of discipline involved in making art. Um, and the, of any, but then you, um, oh, I, I was I going to tag along, but then you have the, then you have the cases and this has happened. Cause I have a, I have artists that, you know, I just took on a couple of paintings. I've had artists that I don't get their work at first. And I asked them to leave it here so I can like really look at it and think about it because art is challenging and you might not like it at first. And then all of a sudden you're like, damn, that's good. Um, but I've also had artists that had come in and just shown me like three pieces mm-hmm. and one in progress and you just know they need a show. And that is like really wild when that happens. That's happened a couple of times. But now the person that came in with like three pieces, for example, she has been working all these years, but mm-hmm. she, you know, dropped out of college. Um, she's, you know, a mother of some children, but has been making art and drawing all these years. And, you know, when she hit up some other galleries, they didn't even bother to look. She sent me some photos and an email. I saw it. It's like, holy cow, I want to see this in person. Because it's just like, that's not done by a, a you know, immature hand or, um, I mean, she has, has, has a voice. You know, mm-hmm. um, and she, she, you know, in particular too, that's interesting is, you know, when she was at VCU, uh, the painting department's like, no, you belong in um, commercial or graphic you know, illustration and illustration graphics or commercial arts said, no, you belong in painting. She got frustrated, dropped out. And I told her, well, one thing they should know is if they didn't have a category for you, they should have kept you. There's those artists that, those are the ones that really change things. Like, in, in, you know, in any kind of art, whether it's literature or um, music or, or visual art, when when they blend those categories together, they become kind of the, you know, the icon. Like, their work becomes iconic of this new new way of doing things. And if you're dealing with like a rigid structure like a school, I mean, that's that's not really going to be respected there usually. Well, they, um, you know, I mean, like I said, there's some artists that, you know, school is so good. Um, but there are, you know, exceptions. I have some artists that um, just need to be in their studio making art. It takes a certain audacity in, in yourself to say that, like, you know, you're going to create this thing and then share it. Um, you know, some people, <laughs> they they talk themselves out of that, you know, and it's really hard. Um, I'm a musician myself. I'm, I've made art over the years of visual and music and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And yeah, for the most of your life, when you're putting stuff out there, it's really just throwing it into a void. And, <laughs> you know, even when it's showing or when it's playing, when you release a record, something like that, it is really throwing it into a void. And it, just every once in a while, you get these comments from people, whether it's at a um, like a concert or like if you're a band and you're playing a show or if it's at uh-huh. a 
you'll get like one or two comments and those comments fuel the next couple yep. of years for you as an artist. There's a little, just yeah. <laughs> people say to connect with you. Yeah. It's, it's true. That people don't understand that. Same here with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I'm not the painter or the artist, but, uh, it's hard to stay motivated. You're just not with a crowd on either side. You're by yourself. You know, so there's a little bit of comments of people like understanding or getting what you're doing. It's miraculous. And, you know, I think that's like with my label, I feel as, cause I'm kind of in a similar position as a, like I'm curating from this stuff mm-hmm. and deciding like what to put out. And then I stand with the mm-hmm. artist and I help them. And it, it kind of comes like a family after a certain amount of time. And yeah, I, I, I feel like um, that is a very valuable thing because at a certain level, you know, when you're choosing that artist that you're giving them a sense of validation that, mm-hmm. that you are, you know, you're putting yourself right there behind them. And so mm-hmm. that feel good. Um, and the other thing I noticed that you're, you're a parent, right? Yeah. I have two uh, young um, adult children. Do your artists feel to you almost like kids as well? <laughs> I did have one artist call me mom on a couple of oh. <laughs> um, But, um, uh, let's see here. I mean, okay. Yeah, I would, I mean, the thing is, is you have to deal with artists too. Because some people think like, what's your system of dealing with artists? Oh, it's like, no, it's, it, 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 it is like parenting in that, you know, you have to work with each individually, how they work, their rhythm of work, what works for them. You know, um, I used to like with parenting, I'd say I'm child led to some degree, but I do, um, I mean, my artist told me this, that I'm an artist led gallery. So like when I take you on, it's not taking, I'm not taking you in just to have that one show and make a buck off you and that's it, you know, because that's no fun. I'm going to be honest, that's not the excitement in the business. The excitement is you work with them and then you, you, you give them other shows. You know what I mean? You are their home, mm-hmm. you know. You make sure that, you know, like one artist needs to, you know, he's, that's all he does is paint, 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 paint. And he spends a lot of time alone. And it's like, oh my God, I got to actually, for for his sanity, I got to like show him pretty often. Not because he wants to sell, because, I mean, while he shows up, he's telling me the newest body of work he's working on and what he's thinking. He could care less what's on the wall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then you, and then you show them, you show their work when it's, changing or evolving or even sometimes everyone goes through little periods of seeming stagnant people go people have you know personal life issues that happen you know they might have dark periods light periods and you know your customers clients will, might come in or your patrons and be like oh i really liked what they did before i don't like you know what it you know but that doesn't matter you stick with the artist because two, sometimes you think, hmm, what the hell was going on with this, you know, work or whatever? And then a couple of years later, you're like, damn, that was really good. 
You know, it, sometimes you don't understand work even until like a couple years later. Right. So when you pick up an artist, it's because you trust them. You know what I mean? That they, they're, they're operating with honesty, sincerity, integrity. Yeah. You know, they're not gimmicks. And, and sometimes it's not apparent exactly what they're doing. Like, like you know it's good, you, but you, you might not really see it until later. Like, like talking about, mm-hmm. like, so later work might actually kind of inform what the earlier work was actually doing and that kind of thing. It's more mm-hmm. obvious in the later work. Um, yeah, it's all linked. You, it's um, like the, the thing is, it's like you can't look, you can't treat art as product. These are all like chapters of a book, you know? Mm-hmm. So when you're selling, you're basically trying to do the best by two different relationships. The artist. Yeah, my clients and, and my artist. Wow. Yeah. That, yeah. They're both That's important exactly. to me. So we've kind of talked about the artist side of it, but so the other, the other, so, so you're kind of like a, I'm trying to think of this in like a business model because there's like business to business businesses and there's like business to client, but you're in this thing where you actually have two customers for every transaction. One's the artist, one's mm-hmm. the client. And mm-hmm. so how do you go about like connecting with people that want to buy art? Is it people that just come into the gallery? They're, they're just art lovers or, um, or, or do you do you end up like having like long relationships with specific buyers? Like how exactly does that work? Oh, all of it. I mean, you have people who collect art. Then you have clients who follow particular artists. Then you have clients who t- tend to buy from about every artist I show. And I will say this: they come from all income brackets. It's not like just wealthy people. I do have some working poor friends like myself, and I even tell her, no, I'm not allowing you to buy this. (laughs) You have no business doing that right now. (laughs) I do payment plans. Um, uh, The clients, you know, that are real regulars, I mean, they come, and they've been following all that I do and all that my artists do. So when they come in to see a show... And this is outside of art opening, okay? When the really good conversations about art happen is when you come to see a show outside of a crowd. You have conversations about what this artist is doing. They're even aware of what the artist has done in the past. and Or this is a new artist. And I learned so much about art through my patron's eyes. You know, it's like a book club, I guess. You know what I mean? You Yeah, yeah. Everyone reads a book and you discuss it. Um, this is where the importance of gallery really is, too, because a lot of people, some people are like, oh, I missed your show because they missed the art opening. It's like, actually, the show's up for a month, you know, but yeah, you missed the party part, um, <laughs> which I appreciate that, too, okay, because there's like this celebration and people buying or maybe not buying, but, you know, that's important, too, but the show is not over after the art opening. It's up for a month. And one issue I have with social media and art fairs is it's taking art out of its context constantly. And often that's all people are seeing. They're not seeing the whole book, you know? Right. 
they're they're just seeing a you know a paragraph basically uh, they're just seeing a, a you know an example but they're not delving into the work because more often than not the body of work the artist puts up each piece I mean hopefully stands on its own as being appreciated but it also is within a body of work and it's all connected and and mm-hmm. tells you something or points to something. And often arranged in a certain way for a reason. You know, it's kind of like the radio with music. You kind of should listen to the whole album. Like, if the right. one song you hear on the radio interests you, then it's a good idea to go delve into the person's work, right? Well, unless they're one of the <clears throat> artists that has built a catalog just out of making singles. Then, uh, yeah. I mean, that's the flip side of it too, is the artists adapt to these things and then they start, you know, the album is really just 10 singles. Like there's no connection. I mean, there's some artists work like that now. It's, it, you know, that, that's kind of like one of those things, you know, I mean, even in the music industry, like there's, there's debates about whether or not just because of like things like Spotify and the way m- money works on that, mm-hmm. whether albums mm-hmm. are even worth it anymore. You know, like yep. Well, that's that's that. Yeah, especially that's a good analogy. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, especially with social media, because if you're just if if it's coming down to that one piece, mm-hmm. then um, you know you can that can be a marketing strategy. Just you know, just screw the album. Just do ten singles over the next year. I, as an mm-hmm. artist, as a, as a person that makes music, I don't like that idea at all because it it just seems insane and <laughs> it seems like a lost opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. But what you're talking about, like the lack of decontextual or like the loss of contextual. Did you well, read? Well, in the social. Well, I was just going to piggy bank on the social media thing with yeah. art. Um, there are two a good number of artists who make work that photographs well. Yes. Well, and that's, and that's become a problem in food, too. Um, like certain restaurants, um, <laughs> especially certain types of food, it just doesn't photograph well. And so there's like mm-hmm. a whole aesthetic of like restaurants and stuff that are succeeding now just because, um, you know, it's more photogenic. But like, you know, what people might really want to eat is some just kind of not that photogenic, you know, greasy fried soul food or something like that, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have like, you know, the, the bright vibrant colors of this other thing. And, you know, well, like very, Brunswick stew might get, it might be hard to get a good picture of Brunswick stew. Brunswick stew is an amazing example of that. Like, cause it is such a flavorful <laughs> thing. It's such a Virginia thing too. And yeah, like you're never getting a picture of that ever. It, it, it doesn't look good in a picture ever. Uh, but yeah, that's a, you know that's that's an interesting thing. When you're going to your gallery, you're 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 you know the the person that um, when, when they come there, they're they're seeing this representation of all this work, and mm-hmm. it and art just the way the artist puts it together can be another kind of work of art in itself. Yep, because it's this overarching story, like there's going to be a narrative to that. And then that's kind of like a, a more, you know, maybe higher level piece to it. And you're not, yeah, you're definitely not going to get that if you're just looking at one thing. Um, and that's another thing that gallerist does too. Now, now some artists come in and 
uh, know either, well, I'd say very few, they know exactly. Then some have an idea and they express it to me. Mm-hmm. And then some just say, I'm going to just dump all this here and go. You do what you want. <laughs> and so my job, too, is to also help. I do guide some artists a great deal on what I'm seeing. So there is help. I mean, just like, a, in a way, an editor. And not saying I'm editing things. It's, it's um, you know, the only rarely is there a, there's sometimes an edit because... Um, well, to say if an artist who brings in way too much purposely, which is fine, because some artists like, I don't know, help me find what, what's in this, you know, and so I'll do that. And then sometimes you edit because it, a piece might be fabulous, but it really isn't, they see once they get it in and you're moving around, it's actually not part of the story. Right. You know, so a lot of this is discovered while arranging. Um, and then some just come in with their few paintings, and you they're all going to be in, you know. Some artists, um, like one artist I work with, she usually has three bodies of work going on within her body of work. I'm like, okay. Wow. How, you, you know, so how are we going to make this make sense, you know? And so, especially when they leave me with it, and I was like, okay, i got to figure out these bodies. And then I'm like, shuffling these little paintings over here, over here, over there. <laughs> so, you know, it's almost like it might be three separate short stories or something. I mean, and, and, and not that they're narrative. When I say stories, you know, not that they're necessarily, like the one artist I'm thinking of who usually has three bodies of work within the work she's brought me, she's actually purely abstract. So, so it's not right. like some storytelling, actual storytelling going on. You right, know. But, but there's definitely like a connection between like these six and these six, and yeah, mm-hmm. that's got to be fun for you to. to uh, no, you <laughs> sometimes it is. Um, sometimes though, I've had this where I'm like, oh my god, nothing's working. What is going on? How come I'm not seeing this right? And she brings me so many pieces. And she's like, yeah, just pick what you want and edit what you want. And, I, you know, I'll call her crying sometimes. Oh, my God. And then she's always like, she comes into the art and says, oh, I love what you've chosen and what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's artists that come in, and I always give them a heads up. Um, you know, those very new to the gallery, you know. Artists who've worked with me for years already know the deal, but... Artists very new. Some sometimes they'll be like, um, you know, well, some will be like, "Do you help?" It's like, of course. And then some artists will have this idea, complete idea, and I was like, "Yeah, you know," and bring it in. I was like, "But just be prepared for things looking different than you thought," mm-hmm. and that's often the case too. They come in because the space itself also dictates. Because um, the one thing too about paintings mm-hmm. um, and arranging, you want it to be where you could see the painting and enjoy it by itself, but at the same time, not like when you look across the wall, it all just blends in. Each painting needs right. to shine. 
You don't want it to get washed out. And you don't want it to be decorating. And also, the same artist, one show could be just hung itself. It's like, damn, we didn't have to do anything. And then they'll bring in something. I'll be like, oh, this is going to be a breeze. And next thing you know, come evening, you're sweating. And like, God damn it, it doesn't work. What the hell? Everyone who knows me well, from clients to artists, know that I really am. I, I just want art to strike people. And until it's like, yes. Because even artists will be like, we'll, you know, we'll move things around. They'll be like, hmm. Nah, not quite. Then you move things. Let's try this. Or this kind of works. And you're like, well, well, have we tried this? And you try this. And you're like, holy cow, that's great. But just move this to there. I mean, to be honest with you, um, I don't know how other galleries do it because I'm not there. Do you know this? I would say every gallery that has a a one-person show or whatever really does want people to come in and see the whole body. No gallery is doing this for just the party. A lot of things I'm talking about, like as a gallerist, I, I think most of my comrades in the field would agree. We just don't, you know, it's rare that you get a bunch of gallerists together at a table to actually talk about these things. We might feel less alone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But we're also so damn competitive. <laughs> right, yeah, we'll do that too. <laughs> it is a lonely field, I'll have to say. That's a fun thing of the art fair. We'll say to to do a positive on the art fair, the yeah. fun thing is it's that it is the one moment that, you know, the, the galleries all run by each other and talk. And, and that camaraderie is actually, to me, the the one thing I I, I do like. Well, wrapping up here, um, I wanted to ask you um, if you have advice for artists that are trying to get in with any gallery. What do you recommend they do? Like, let, let's say they've been, you know, painting a, a little bit. You know, we could say they're maybe they're going to go to college. Maybe they're like like let's assume that they might not be really ready right now. But like for artists that are like planning on something in like the next few years, what do you recommend for them to look for in a gallery and that kind of thing and how to present it to the gallery? Well, I'd say, first of all, if you're like a student, just don't bother with galleries. They're terrible places. Um, (laughs) I mean, because it's going to, first it needs to be about your work. So it needs to be about you being in your studio or outside or wherever you make your work needs to first be about your work. You do not need to listen to a gallerist about your work. And you also don't want to go out there before you evolved and everyone fall in love with this thing you did as a kid and then are upset when you actually evolve into something more intense and challenging. Don't go into the commercial land too soon. And, and not, I, I don't feel like I've done this to artists, but I have seen artists out there kind of get chewed up. And not that anyone did it on purpose, but... You know, it's like, oh, this artist is known for doing this method. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm really tired of doing this method, you know. Yeah. So my first advice for any artist is to work on your art. And if you're in school, a recommendation I have is when you, um, you know, maybe not so much masters. I, I mean, I've, I've known professional artists that went and then 
you got a master's. So they are, you know, can pop out of that degree program ready to show for sure. But, you know, like the young undergrads, right? Mm-hmm. My other re- recommendation is you've gone to school. And some artists have produced stuff while in school that maybe is gallery ready. But a big part of me wants an artist to then break off from school and on their own, what are they going to make? What are you going to make without a teacher telling you that right. you have to do this sort of project? What are you, what, develop a body or start to develop a body. You know, it depends, there's different maturity levels of recent graduates, as you know, in any yeah. field. So get yourself a workplace and what are you going to do once breaking off from school? Because that's a really weird period of time right after you graduate. You kind of feel lost. Two, art is not something you do just when you're inspired. That's bullshit. You need to be moving your hand or whatever it is. You know, discipline. Form some sort of schedule that works for you. It might just be four days a week. Learn to work when you're not inspired because most of the time in life you are not going to be inspired. Right. Inspiration comes from work. You work, and then something starts, you hit on something, and when you hit on that something, you're like, holy cow, where did that come from? It doesn't even feel like you made it. Right. So you got, so my take is before you ever come to a damn gallery, learn to work and learn to go to the studio when you're not inspired. Work when you're uninspired when you think it's boring, often that stuff you're working on, you think it's boring, it's fantastic. And then the other reason why I tell young artists to develop a work schedule of some kind and treat it mm-hmm. as work and make other people treat it as work. Don't let them call you, what are you doing? Oh, I'm not doing anything. No, you are. You're making fucking art. So right. you, you, the reason being is because you get married one day or you partner up or you have a baby, or your mother dies. The artists that like stop working on art are the ones who never developed a discipline. That's, yeah. So that is wow. more important than galleries. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. How many artists we all know that just were really great, and they're like, well, I just got busy, <laughs> or I had a kid. Okay, back in the day, you're telling me people didn't have a kid? Back then, to eat, they had to actually like go... Get the wheat and make the bread and then paint a painting. Come on. It's like death and birth and all that. Those are not excuses. So when you're young, you need to develop a work schedule. Then as an artist, okay, say an artist is like, you know, I need something. It is time for me to put something out there. Go and look at, it might not even be a gallery where you first want to do something. It might be a coffee shop. I have great, fantastic artists that started off in a damn coffee shop. But what you do, too, is get to know the galleries where you see your work, the stable. It's like, would I send a sci-fi story to a poetry magazine? Yeah. And ask the gallery best way to submit. Also, if there's a stable artist you're friends in and you know you belong, and this sounds bad, you know, that's also a helpful way. You know, an artist might be like, yeah, your work is great. I think my gal should love this. Hey, say something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the 
only the, the worst, this is what I'll say for artists not to do because it sucks shit. Don't go to an art opening and hit up the gallerist in the middle of the art opening with your own work. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's bad <laughs> because like would you want someone to do that at your birthday party? You know, <laughs> I would just recommend artists to approach a gallery like you would any business. The only thing is I would say is if you don't want to set an appointment, just want to drop, you can leave a card there at the gallery because the gallerists, if they look at it and are interested, they'll just go to the website maybe. But yeah, unsolicited emails to galleries don't work. You know, in the middle of an art opening doesn't work. You know, contact the gallery, find out submissions. If you have a friend that's with that gallery and they know kind of together, hey, I think this gallerist would like this. Use that route. But I have plenty of people who've just called, asked how to submit. I tell them, and I do look. If, if you go by my pro, every gallery has a different process. And that concludes our conversation with gallerist Kirsten Gray. I'd like to thank Kirsten for talking with me. You can learn more about Kirsten and the Eric Schindler Gallery by going to ericschindlergallery.com. As always, this episode and previous episodes are available at our website, variousthingspodcast.com, as well as on iTunes, Spotify, and other places where podcasts are shared. I'm Gary Lama, and this was Various Things. Thanks for listening.